0: Hello everybody, it's uh, it's Brian Janikowski, welcome to our monthly conference call. So today we're going to address the issue which I think is on a lot of people's mind, will the rally last? So uh, I'm Christian Thwaites and uh, with me is, is Steve Janikowski, who many of you of course know, and Rita Lee. And Steve, I'll turn it over to you to open us up. Thanks Christian, good afternoon
1: everybody. Uh, This call will last 20 minutes, and following the call, a replay will be available. As usual, we will begin the call with a very high-level overview of the economy and the markets. That's my job. And then we'll open it up for questions in the remaining time after Christian and Rita do a deeper dive uh, into the markets and the economies and uh, some of the other really interesting details. So, first of all, uh, 2017 was a great year. Uh, And we haven't had time to recover because 2018 is off to a rocket start as well. Uh, It's on the heels of the new tax legislation. Uh, The global stock markets have jumped in the first three weeks of January. The S&P 500 so far this year is up about 6%. And many foreign markets and emerging markets are up even more. Uh, The corporate tax cut gave a one-time 20% boost to corporate profits, and that's about what the market was up in 2017, coincidentally. Economic growth appears to be picking up, and company earnings were already doing well before the tax cut. This reduced regulatory environment, and tax cuts tie into a significant increase in business confidence, and we're already seeing a pickup in business investment, manufacturing, and industrial production. While the uh, stock markets have react- reacted to the potential for fast- a faster growing economy, the bond markets have been slower to respond. We've seen a small uptick in yields. Bonds are off about 1% year to date. But real yields, that's the yield after inflation. So if you subtract the yield minus inflation, we can call that the real yield, remain very low. In other words, the bond market doesn't really buy the economic growth story yet. If it did, we'd see a bigger rise in rates and overall inflation and interest rates still remain quite low, which brings us to the Fed. The Fed's in a quandary. It would like to raise rates more aggressively, but probably fears that if faster economic growth is a mirage and doesn't happen, then they could squash growth and potentially trigger a recession. So will this be the pivotal year? Do we finally reach escape velocity into a faster growing economy? In any event, we're encouraged by the synchronized global growth. All parts of the world are doing quite well. The world's developed economies and the emerging economies, everybody's doing better. And it's reflected in all the various stock markets. Your portfolios broadly diversify, and so you're participating all these various global markets increase. So portfolios are doing really quite well. Now let's talk a little bit about the risk, and I'm going to then turn it over to Christian. While there are plenty of risks and things that could go wrong, we have been preparing your portfolios for quite some time now for inevitable choppiness. Remember, 2017 was almost straight up. There was very little in the way of choppiness or correction. Overall, however, we believe we're in a great environment for uh, our great investment environment. So let me turn it over to Christian and Rita for a deeper dive into how uh, they see the tax legislation and where the economy and the markets are likely to go in 2018.
0: Thanks, Steve, uh, and welcome, everybody. For those of you that read the blog or read our newsletter recently, um, you'll kind of know where we're coming from generally, but uh, just to kind of go to a deeper dive on things. First of all, on the tax side, you know, I have to say that this is unequivocally good for U.S. corporate equities. Um, we, so the, the politics and the budget management side of it aside, as Steve mentioned, moving from a 35% corporate, gain, uh, corporate tax to 20% And for the S&P companies, that's an effective rate going from about 28 to about 12, immediately hits earnings. And we saw this most directly with Berkshire Hathaway, which pays, uh, last year paid about a $7 billion uh, tax bill on nearly $30 billion of of earnings, and this year will pay probably about three and a half. And that's worth uh, 11% increase to earnings per share. So that's a very classic example of a domestic, primarily domestic-facing uh, company, um, capital intensive, a lot of industry, uh, as well as financial services doing very well out of this. The other things like um, changing the interest rate deductibility for corporations, uh, the the most highly geared industries like REITs and utilities are exempted for that, so it doesn't really make much difference, the, the uh, um, capping of the uh, state and local taxes, the so-called SALT, uh, and the mortgage interest rate deductions could hurt, there's some comments about that, well, could that hurt consumer spending? I don't think it will very much. Uh, you know, At the same time, unemployment, as we mentioned several times, is relatively low. People can dig into savings. And at the high end of the market, it might make some uh, sort of slightly less marginal propensity to consume. But I think for most of the US consumers in the economy, it won't have a, a very big difference. So. Um, yes, the, the, the tax uh, package was sort of brought to birth in a, a very ugly way, but I think that looking at it purely from uh, corporate, US corporate equities and the and the health of the business climate, it, it's been a good thing. So let's move quickly on to the economy, you know, obviously, uh, Steve has already mentioned, so what what's the Fed going to look at? They're going to look at the unemployment rate, that's about as low as it's likely to get in this cycle. The big question there is how many more people will be attracted into the employment market who are currently not enrolled in the employment market. And if that number is big, there'll be no upward pressure in wages. And if that number is small, there could be some pressure in wages and that's certainly the way the Fed is thinking. Meanwhile, there are other targets, CPI inflation, but the one they actually target is PC, which is personal consumption expenditures, still struggles to get much uh, above two. In fact, it is not above two. And that's gonna be, I I think, you know, holding the Fed back from being too aggressive on the rate side. Growth is coming in at in Q3 and Q4 at over 3%. Remember a year ago we talked about twos, uh, 2% inflation, uh, 2% of in the economy and 2% on the treasury. Um, well, one of those has just changed to three and that's, and that's the economy. But before we start ringing the bells on that one, have to remember that there's two there's at least one major thing and possibly a second one which could hold that growth back. First of all, as the dollar weakens, which is which has significantly, that's why the international markets have done so well, that hurts the trade balance and uh, the trade balance deteriorated significantly every month uh, from uh, from about May of last year, and that's enough to shave off half a point of growth in GDP. So that's one risk. And the other one is the government shutdown. This has been a short one, it doesn't really matter, but uh, you know, basically for every two or three days that the government is shut, that shaves off about 0.1% uh, from, from growth. So those are the main risks there. The Fed is, uh, is well-placed this year, I think, for three rate increases. I think that's very well-priced in. A risk that we had last year about who's going to replace uh, Chair Yellen is now over. We've got Powell in place. and We've got our own Williams from the San Francisco Fed lobbying to be the vice chairman. So I think that's all, that's all um, you know, unlikely to be um, scary or alarm the markets or change the policy, which has been extremely well communicated. And the other central banks in, 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 in Europe and, and Asia are still very friendly towards uh, growth and equities. On the fixed income side, we have seen the... the, the benchmark treasury bond tick up a little bit this year from about 2.5 to 2.6. We're not overly concerned about that. Some of that is technical. And as Steve mentioned, the the less that number moves and things move at the short end, then the less, uh, the more skeptical the market is about inflation or growth taking off. We haven't seen any indication of inflation fears with something like uh, tips market taking off, or you know, other very uh, inflation-sensitive uh, parts of the economy. So that seems to be relatively steady. Corporate credit is still very tight. What does that mean? It means that it's still relatively cheap for companies to borrow if they've got the good credit rating, but it means an investor is not necessarily getting uh, a, a lot of extra yield by going into corporate credit. So we expect the bond market to be fairly subdued. Not certainly not in bear mode, or or or. or coming off sharply but just not a very exciting place to be in, in 27, 2018 and we've always thought of that as the kind of anchor to the portfolio anyway where we can get safety of principle and uh, steady income and finally to equities valuations that we've mentioned you know are certainly stretched uh, if they're stretched by any time you measure them except against uh, government bond yields in which case they continue to look good the great thing about this uh, Earning, we've had three successive, actually four successive uh, quarterly earnings season. This is the fourth in a row. Uh, reporting for q four where the earnings are up and they're up sharply. They're up about ten or eleven percent. Some of the financials have a weird accounting um, uh, uh, restatement which they had to do because of the uh, because of the tax change, but actually even those are are doing doing quite well. so. It's been a good earnings year, uh, and we like to see that you know, supported in the equity market. But our, our real um, outlook uh, for, for, for continued upward strength is in the international and emerging markets. We mentioned before, they've lagged for so many years up until beginning of 2017, and they've really snapped back pretty quickly. Um, they've had local stock market growth and then the dollar weakness, which appreciated by nearly 10% last year, certainly helps the dollar investor. And we kind of like what we're seeing over there, synchronized global growth, uh, low inflation, easy easy monetary policies, and a lot of reform, which is sort of making the corporate sector and equities um, uh, uh, relatively more attractive. So that's where we are beginning of 2018, sort of enjoying enjoying the ride, uh, making sure that we've got quality in case we get a a setback, um, which 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 we will have at some point. You get them all the time but uh, we don't don't see a lot of leverage and a lot of overly concern in the market. Yeah, so
1: things look good, as we've talked about. Um, I think why don't we spend a little bit of time talking about some of the thoughts on uh, changes to the portfolio and things that we're doing to uh, protect portfolios, because at some point, as you say, we will have some
0: hiccups in the market. Yeah, there's a couple of things. Um, Maybe I'll just start off with the uh, with with the uh, REITs and REITs, and you can talk about the uh, the, the dividend and the um, quality companies. Sure. But some of you might have noticed in your portfolios that we've backed off REITs a little bit, and, and this is just for two uh, relatively straightforward reasons. Number one, they've come a long way in a in a relatively good space of time. You know, for, for the last five or six years, these things have been compounding at 10% uh, uh, or more, and it's been a good place to be. And we just want to take some money off the table and, you know, and uh, you know, realize some of those profits. The other one is far more prosaic, which is that REITs are very highly leveraged. And if you read the blog, um, right, there won't be any homework on this, but uh, that you've got some six times leverage for most REITs and the, and the equity market a whole is, is about two times. So if they have to refinance their seven to eight year commercial mortgages at higher rates, it is going to hurt the income that flows through the REITs. So We've decided to take a little bit of money off the table there, uh, and, and to protect uh, what might be some downside. And actually, REITs have, have been pretty weak this, this, this so far this year, down about six percent compared to the S and P up about five percent.
2: And then um, some. Well, we've we've uh, some of the other um, e- equity funds have been paying dividends as well. One of the ones that we've been using um, for a while and increasing has been. Um, ticker symbol called Noble, uh, a dividend aristocrat fund. What that means is that it's companies which have been paying um, dividends, increasing dividends, over the past 20 years. So it's a very stringent um, screen, and that ticker symbol, uh, that uh, ETF holds very high quality companies. As well, we've added some quality earnings ETF into the portfolio, it's called the S&P Quality Index, and uh, both of these are meant to help us in the choppy market as well as having um, some more income in the portfolio.
0: So we think that um, we're not getting full, um, full protection on this and also because we think the market is uh, is pretty well supported, and of course the other one that we have is treasuries. Uh, U.S. treasuries are sort of the ultimate uh, non-correlated asset, and so while we're not going heavy into that because we don't see a big correction, uh, most most of our clients will have an exposure to treasuries as as, as a very good uh, risk asset. Okay, we'd like to take some Q&A, and uh, I want to make sure I press the right buttons to get the lines open. But we actually have a couple of questions which came in uh, on. Uh, on email, thank you very much for those. Uh, is it open now? Unmute or No, we're not Um Is there a number I should press? Okay. But meanwhile, I'll deal with the uh, with the. Uh
1: what you told us about the Dow,
0: wouldn't a chart called 119 years of the S&P be more helpful to us? And that's, um, thank you for the person who read that because that that took a bit of time to calculate that out. But so I I wrote a pretty scathing piece about why the Dow is not a very good uh, index to track and why you certainly shouldn't use it for performance reporting purposes. And then elsewhere on our chart on our website is highlighted 119 years of the Dow. And the, the reason is that the data goes back that long. We'd love to have the S&P going back that long. But the S&P has only been around since 1952. Uh, and we could run the numbers uh, for that period, but uh, we wanted to show that there was a more compelling period. So, yeah, the S- you will see some S&P numbers going before that, but they're, actually, um, but they're actually modeled. They're not the real numbers. So it's just a question that we just had more data on the, on, on the, uh, the Dow than the S&P for this one. Everybody's unmuted, so uh feel free to initiate a question. I'll just you know halt here for a couple of seconds if someone would like to answer one. going to the next email question. Yeah, here's a really interesting question. How do we know the Dow and S increases aren't due to Russian or North Korean hacking slash creation of fictitious orders? And uh uh I'm no national security expert, but you know clearly this amount of you know, hacking is going on in a lot of parts uh, of our of our world. Um, and what's being used is a practice called spoofing, which uh, essentially you 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 put in orders, let's say on a lot of buys, you know much bigger than the market is used to, and then you cancel the orders. In a second. So, the kind of market's ready to take it. The market might run up, but no actual order is executed. Meanwhile, behind the scenes, someone is making a trade sort of unnoticed. And I think um, this, I think it's highly unlikely that this could happen uh, because if the spoofing was happening, you'd see a lot of very, very short term increases that are then immediately corrected because it has to follow through with a purchase order in order for the stock to be recorded as going up. It could upset some traders, but we haven't seen any indication that uh, you know traders or the or the or the big boards in any way are getting hit with uh, with weird executions. So. Well,
1: so, I don't want to go into all the, the the nuts and bolts, but trades have to be settled, meaning that you have, there are two sides of transactions. You place a trade on the buy side, you have to come up with the money. Most securities trade settles within zero to three days. And as a result, you're going to have to come up with the money. So if there were a fictitious trade being placed, it would be caught within relatively short order. It's not something that would go on for a very long period of time.
0: Yeah, and I think if there was any hacking of the NYSE like that, there would be a whole a trading. And we haven't. <coughs> uh, but it's an interesting point and, uh And you know, it kind of adds to our risk and more worry.
1: Mine is open if anyone would like to ask a question. I have a, I have a question. Do you think uh, that it might be time for uh, some of us uh, to scrape some cash off the table altogether, put it under the mattress? Are you, are you referring to taking it out of a portfolio or taking it out of a bank? No, oh, t- uh, taking it no 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 taking it out of uh, out of the market if you will and into 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 ca- straight cash. This is, is it okay. time to sell. I'm asking if you think it's time to sell some altogether, sell okay. off altogether. Really really good question and and we we've gotten this question a fair amount. Um, the thing about Selling is it's problematic because the market generally well not generally has always been in an upward long-term upward trend but what I think you're referring to are corrections that come along the way where the market goes down 10 15 or more percent and the question is is it worth trying to take advantage of something where you think the markets high sell now and maybe get back in at a later date Uh, I, I think that's gonna be a really difficult timing move Because if you miss it, let's say you go to cash, and the market doesn't go down as much as you think. Let's say it goes down 7% correction, and then it goes right back up, and next thing you know, we're 20% higher from where you got out. Now you have a really difficult situation of, what do I do now? And if that could very well happen, because if economic growth continues, earnings continue to grow, the market could conceivably continue to go up over the next year, two years, or even longer. Now you've got a tough choice to make. What do I do with this cash that's sitting on the sidelines? I think another way I would think about it is rather than do I take money off the table, am I in the right investment objective? So now instead of turning it into a timing question, you're turning it into something that is it necessary for my personal or my family circumstances that maybe I'm in a portfolio that maybe is a little bit too growth oriented for me. I'd say maybe you dial down your portfolio uh, a little bit. Uh in that way you've got a, a structured way of dealing with this issue of is the market is the market potentially going to go down because you'd be in a more appropriate portfolio.
0: Thank you very much. Can I ask yeah. a
1: question? Um I had some difficulty uh, hearing Rita, uh but I was interested in what I think she had to say. Um is 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 she saying that you're doing some rebalancing into funds that invest in high-quality dividend-paying companies.
2: Yes, we we are. Uh, we continue to do that. Um, so we are looking for places where we could reallocate. Um, so uh, I think if uh, if you would like to know more, maybe uh, give give your advisor a call, and then uh, we'll, we can talk about that. Uh, portfolio
1: yeah answer 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 to the question is is yes we, we really we really actually uh, like the high quality dividend plays and we have looked for opportunities to rebalance um, again with your specific portfolio if you want to go into detail give us a call um, and, or call your advisor and uh happy to go into the specifics of that <laughs> okay, thanks. um we've reached the twenty minute mark and uh being true to form we'd like to uh, uh finish the call up as we've as we promised. So um, Christian's going to read the closing comments. Yes, and thanks, everyone, for participating today.
0: I hope you found it useful, and uh, have a great day. Thanks very much, everybody. And here's a disclosure. Please note the information provided in the presentation is for general information purposes only. It should not be considered individualized recommendation or specialized investment advice. The investment strategy discussed in this presentation may not be suitable for everyone. Each investor needs to review an investment strategy for his or her own particular situation before making an investment decision. Or expressions of opinion on subjects change without notice from reactive shifting market or economic conditions. Past performance is no performance. guarantee of future results, and the opinions presented cannot be viewed as an
1: indicator of future performance.